The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Is it an exaggeration to say that the United States of America is the target, the number one target of Satan to destroy? Would you think we're self-importing the country into a level that why would Satan want to do that? Because it blocks him from bringing to the rest of the world the tyranny he wants to reign. It's got to go. It's got to be put out of the way. It's amazing some of the things happening by the hour in the last weeks and months. They fired the first shot, covered this, bringing everything to current events, and so shows future-wise where we're headed. To destroy this country, you got to destroy its founding. To destroy its founding, you got to destroy what's told in the founding. Particularly and specifically, those founding documents. So we have an active assault against the very foundations of this nation. 
is biblical, is Christian principles, ancient words from the Bible that the forefathers looked at Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and formed a nation. The first time in the history of the world where a people of men got together and sat down and us found a nation. It's been studied by David Barton, 90%, I think it was, of the documents, or the Constitution, Declaration, is based in Christian principles. 60% of that, you can directly attribute it to Bible verses. Therefore, it will be hated by the devil. And we see the good that's come to the world and its fruit, this nation. Don't give me, well, we got to say what's negative about the country. You just didn't talk that, about, that, talk that way about David. And what he did, he just praised his good. We did see the good, the Jesus and everything. The devil was right there at the crucifixion. Are we supposed to be focused on that? Well, someone might say, you started a program about the devil. Well, it's good to recognize what he's doing, but it's his attack that we bring up because it's attacking something because it's good. And there is a conservative, conservative or rather a conservative, conservative effort to dismantle this nation, attack this nation, to undo this nation. And don't think Medjugorje is not tied to it. Don't think the Queen of Peace is not connected to it. Don't think that she said in the field, July 3rd, at the consecration, the eve, the, virgil, the vigil that she called us out to in the field at night, 10.30 at night, that she told us. Former make prayer groups. And we will pray for your healing. And the healing of this nation. T-H-I-S. She's sitting on that field in her apparition. She's speaking these words on ground in here in Shelby County, Alabama, where Caritas is located, in this state, in the United States of America. She couldn't be referring to anything else when she said, the healing of this nation to draw closer to God and to me. And we can see since that moment of her breathing these words, the persecutions persecution against the mission itself has greatly tenfold increased. You think it's a connection? CBS just had on a couple of weeks ago the reporter Osgood a statement that he brings up. A question that really is posed to bring your thoughts back to, well, should we be thinking this way? Because people and enemies of this nation has to have you in a frame of mind to think, open you up and they're very crafty at this to make you be open to their ideas. Is the U.S. Constitution truly worthy of the reverence in which most Americans hold it? Why should a question like this be even posed? Is there a big element in this country that doesn't reverence it? And why is it conjured up that we use the word reverence to start with, except that we did see this as reverence? But people don't want it to be revered anymore. Glenn Beck was talking about his daughter, who he was shocked at 
what she was saying to him, that the youth don't like all this Bible stuff. You know, quoting the founding fathers, she says, people of her generation, is something that they don't quote, they mock. We don't listen to it. It's frightening stuff. It's frightening stuff, she told her dad. And so they have to make you dis. They have to take the reverence toward these documents out. Explain to me if we're not supposed to have reverence for this. That if you went, if you've been to Washington, you've been on the Mall, you go into where the documents, the original documents, are held. Guards all around. A bombproof place. These documents actually can be lowered. We don't know how many feet below. Maybe a hundred feet. Maybe two hundred feet below. When they close up for its preservation, because they're revered. You don't just do this to a piece of paper and spend these millions and millions of dollars to protect something if it doesn't mean something. It's not something you just throw away. And the protection is incredible they have over them. And so Osgood, the CBS reporter, interviews. A Catholic University Georgetown professor, Lewis Sidman. And listen to this clip that's coming up. You got to listen to his words and be very careful because if you're youth, you'd be taken in by him. If you don't know the history of our country, you would buy into what he's saying. This guy's a liar. I'm saying on the air, Lewis Sidman is an outright liar. He's a verbicidist, he's a revisionist. He's good. He's very good. But this guy's poison. And remember, Georgetown's the same university that covered up IH, I think it was IHS about the crucifix. When Obama came and spoke. They said oh, it was just protocol, we won't look presidential. No, they didn't want him to be in front of that. Just like Notre Dame, we bind to it. And so we have allowed these things to happen because of our sins. We don't even have enough courage as university students and people who run the university there to stand up against this. So Lewis Sidman, the professor, constitutional lawyer himself, who in the end criticizes lawyers, is acting on what they want to happen right now. And it is frightening stuff. I've got a simple idea. Let's give up on the Constitution. I know it sounds radical, but it's really not. Constitutional disobedience is as American as apple pie. For you see, he's got a laughter in there, and he's trying to open you up, and he's trying to make you think, oh, this is apple pie. You know, Jefferson, he'll go and save us against it and all this. Abraham Lincoln was caught in a hard place. He couldn't do anything, and what he did was on the verge of unconstitutional. But what he portrays and the way he repackages it is not accurate. In fact, it's revisionism. It's to change what is to something else that he wants it to be is. Listen carefully how he says what he says. For example, most of our greatest presidents, Jefferson, Lincoln, Wilson, and both Roosevelt's, had doubts about the Constitution, and many of them disobeyed it when it got in their way. To be clear, I don't think we should give up on everything in the Constitution. The Constitution has many important and inspiring provisions, 
but we should obey these because they are important and inspiring, not because a bunch of people who are now long dead favored them two centuries ago. See, this is just purely human. 200 years ago, these old dead men wrote this. And what he's criticizing is something that wrote direct and derived from biblical principles. Satan hates biblical principles. He wants to make it purely human. It's just some humans that had no knowledge or connection to what we were going to be and what we want. Why should we pay attention to him? Oh, it's got inspiring things. See, they get that and concedes that to make you think he's been balanced, to make you think he's been fair in what he's presenting to you, especially to the youth. These are the people teaching the youth. And this is why Glenn Beck's daughter says, this stuff is frightening from the forefathers, and we mock it. We don't listen to it. Because these demon heads, these poor souls who are in need of salvation, we need to pray for them. They're our enemies. Don't get no, this man is an enemy. Our lady says to love your enemy, pray for your enemy. She just told us on a second, to live according to my son. And she adds to that, though, do not be afraid for yourselves, because these people will kill you. These people want you in the Colosseum. What I'm saying and what I'm advocating, they want us in the Colosseum. Look on the site. We've got a story. The coming persecution by Vicar General in Rockford, Illinois. And God, the puppets are starting to say this. And he writes in it, all puppets are they not. Very few are. But thank God some are. And you and I, with my father, Our Lady, we've seen it coming for a long time. If you read they fight the first shot, it really wakes you up. It's not just throwing water in the face. It's cold ice water in your face. And then you can see it. Lewis, the professor, continues. Unfortunately... The Constitution also contains some provisions that are not so inspiring. For example, one allows a presidential candidate who is rejected by a majority of the American people to assume office. Suppose that Barack Obama really wasn't a natural-born citizen. He goes on from that point and says, so what? About Obama being not a natural-born citizen. So what? Why did our forefathers put this in there? Because you needed to be born of American parents, an American citizen on the soil, on a military base around the world, to ensure that you have the values, the understanding, the blood, the lineage of what this nation stands for and what it means for the whole world, as well as the president of it. That not being mean. But if you're from England and you were born there, you couldn't have been president in the United States. You had to be born here. And so we had this for a purpose and a protection that we continue to have somebody that would be president that would reflect our values. And Obama doesn't. So what? The Constitution also contains some provisions that are not so inspiring. For example, one allows a presidential candidate who is rejected by a majority of the American people to assume office. Suppose that Barack Obama really wasn't a natural-born citizen. So what? Constitutional obedience has a pernicious impact on our political culture. Take the recent debate about gun control. None of my friends can believe it, but I happen to be skeptical of most forms of gun control. I understand, though, that's not everyone's view, and I'm eager to talk with people who disagree. But what happens... 
the way he frames this is not that he's not saying he's, he, he's uh, not for gun control. He's I'm skeptical. And he has a little laughter in that. This is revisionism at its most glib. Not at its best. At its evil. He's wanting you to think he's against this. And he never says he's I'm just skeptical. My friends don't know. I don't believe that. You? The chuckle in his voice tells that and betrays what he's thinking. He brings this up to give you a carrot so you accept the next thing he's going to say. And I'm eager to talk with people who disagree. But what happens when the issue gets constitutionalized? Then we turn the question over to lawyers, and lawyers do with it what lawyers do. So instead of talking about whether gun control makes sense in our country, we talk about what people thought of it two centuries ago. Worse yet, talking about gun control in terms of constitutional obligation needlessly raises the temperature of political discussion. Instead, See, he wants you to be able to eagerly dis- disagree with him because he wants to get in your face, just like he does the students. And once he gets you open and dialoguing, he can confuse these people because they don't know the history. They don't know the value of the forefathers. They don't know the biblical principles behind what we did and why we did it and why this nation is exceptional because it's been blessed as no other nation has by God himself. They hate that. They hate it to the degree that when Obama comes to the university, they got to cover up anything religious behind Obama. Wake up and look and see what these people are and who they are. Demons. And what they profess. Who need exorcisms? Who needs prayers? Who needs love your enemies? But don't trust them. Don't believe them. As he finishes up. Instead of a question of policy about which reasonable people can disagree, it becomes a test of one's commitment to our foundational document and so to America itself. This is our country. We live in it. And we have a right to the kind of country we want. We would not allow the French or the United Nations to rule us, and neither should we allow people who died over two centuries ago and knew nothing of our country as it exists today. If we are to take back our own country, we have to start making decisions for ourselves and stop deferring to an ancient and outdated document. This guy. Take our country back from those who founded it, and what it's grown for and prospered to be the greatest nation in the history of the world, the most charitable, the most powerful, who, who even the Pope has recognized, several Popes, that has been used for the dispensation of the Gospels throughout the world, that we wouldn't allow the United Nations to rule it. This guy's for the United Nations. Don't make no bones about it. He'd be the first for it. But he pretends we wouldn't allow the United Nations to rule it because he wants us to get away from the documents so the United Nations can rule it. Because he's part of the elite, the liberal elite. You say, well, oh, maybe Friend of Mr. Gore is starting to sound like a talk show host. No, I'm not interested in politics. I'm interested in what I is saying. She's telling us to teach you to forgive and to love your enemies and to live according to your, my son. Do not be afraid for yourselves. In affliction, my son, does not forget those who love. I will be beside you. Why? Because we're headed for trouble. This guy's telling you what he's going to do. He don't believe in this, oh, antiquated, ancient documents. What is he saying? What he's saying is, we're not for this, oh, antiquated, biblical principles. 
We've got a right, he says, to have our own nation. That's what Eve said. That's what Satan said in heaven. At the time he was called Lucifer, the light bearer. We were right. We wanted rights on that last show we talked about. I think it was on Medianomics. Through human rights, we've fallen into decadence. I have a right to do this. I have a right to not be morally bound by anything. The Constitution is a restrictive document of the government not to have invasive powers over your daily lives, that you're free with your religious liberty, which just one year ago, January, Pope Benedict himself says that one of his greatest aspects of coming to America was reviewing and reflecting on the founding documents, particularly the religious liberty upon the culture. He was in praise of it. And his pronuncio in April of just seven, eight, nine months ago said that the United States of America, it is the Pope's express wish to be the leaders of the evangelization of the world. Why? Because we were being dispensers of the, dispensers of the gospel. Don't come up and say, we can find all these faults. Everything has faults. Peter had faults. It's what the exceptionalism of it being blessed as no other nation and sharing that blessing with other people. So we're targeted. Now, Lady gave us a message, July 3rd, 2012, for this nation. And you got the dismantlers are doing everything in the effort, and their one chapter they fired the first shot is uh, move fast, so basically you can't be stopped. I don't remember exactly the name of the chapter, but it's, as they do what they're doing and what this guy's saying, they become more naked. The more naked they come, the more people who are praying are more alert realize what they're doing. And also, if you're really following age, you know they're doing what they're doing because they've been given the power to do that as Assyrians did over Israelites because of their sins and because of our sins, we're losing ground. And so we're coming into a frightful position that if you fast and pray, you won't be afraid of. But he says again in this message of the second month, do not be afraid for yourselves. Why is she saying that? You have to ask yourself. I'm not afraid for myself. Everything today is nice. I went out. The sun's shining. She's talking about what's coming. And what's coming? Well, anarchy. They want to breed anarchy because then the saviors can come in. They want class warfare. The Houthis against the Tutis. And once they establish this class warfare, oh, then we'll want the government to come in and we'll accept anything they say. And where does that lead us? We're going to have an economic collapse. There's no way to pay everything back. And what happens when that takes place is what is a necessity becomes the greatest value. Our luxuries and everything we do extra really are only value now in the pleasantries of what we do because we have secure life. No matter how bad things are not, we're still pretty secure. We can eat. Everybody's eating. You can find a meal. I don't care how difficult it is. You can find some place to eat if you have to go soup kitchen. But what's precious is that what sustains. That's where the value is going to happen. And when an economic collapse happens, what was a value is no longer a value. And this can change in about a week. It did it for the people in Sandy who was digging in the dumpsters we've spoken about. Because all the values and what was valuable to them completely changed in a moment. When conditions grow harsh and life is no longer secure, 
Your values are going to change. And so we have an assault on all fronts. We got a Democratic senator from New York, Jose Serrano, who has trying to get House Bill Resolution 15 passed, which does away with the 22nd Amendment. So that Obama can run on the 2016 term. I wrote that in the fire the first shot. This guy's not going to leave office, people. Know your enemy and know yourself and know where you're going. And so we have that. We just have North Korea have a commercial out. I just read about this. And they're playing in the background, We Are the World. Beautiful music, piano music, they said. I want to get a clip of it, listen to it. But they show a North Korean dreaming. And he goes into, he, and then he gets into a, a space rocket. And he goes above the earth and he sees the green earth. And all this music's playing about We Are the World and the greatness of North Korea and all the tyranny that's there. And he gets over to the United States and he sees it and it's burning. And it reflects in there that the evil power is burning and being destroyed. They have nuclear power. They want nuclear weapons. So you got this professor wants to destroy it. You got this Democratic senator trying to set up ter- more tyranny. You got North Korea doing what they're doing. And then you got economic assault, assault coming to us. All this is our sins, people. You got to put it in the proper manner. Our defense against this is tears of repentance, monthly confession, love in the midst of persecution. And ours is being ratcheted up. But they fire the first shot. It's making a lot of headway. You spread this book. You reread it. Don't let it's, it's, Everybody's telling us this is the only hope we have, the blueprint in this book. And I'm not talking about just Catholics. And we're talking about even some non-believers. They're putting professing belief in the book if they can't profess belief in God himself. And so Jones got a story this week. It really shows you what we'll be faced with some of these things that comes down to us. This comes uh, from the book When Money Dies by author Adam Ferguson. When Money Dies is the classic history of what happens when a nation's currency depreciates beyond recovery. In 1923, with its currency effectively worthless, the exchange rate in December of that year was $1 to 4 trillion 200 billion marks. The German Republic was all but reduced to a barter economy. Expensive cigars, artworks, and jewels were routinely exchanged for staples such as bread, a cinema ticket could be bought for a lump of coal, and a bottle of paraffin for a silk shirt. People watched helplessly as their life savings disappeared and their loved ones starved. Germany's finances descended into chaos with severe social unrest in its wake. Money is no more than a medium of exchange. Only when it has a value acknowledged by more than one person can it be so used. The more general the acknowledgement, the more useful it is. Once no one acknowledged it, the Germans learnt their paper money had no value or use, save for papering walls or making darts. The discovery which shattered their society was that the traditional repository of purchasing power had disappeared 
and that there was no means left of measuring the worth of anything. For many, life became an obsessional search for things of real, constant value. For most, degree of necessity became the sole criterion of value, the basis of everything from barter to behavior. Man's values became animal values. Contrary to any philosophic assumption, it was not a welcomed or pleasant experience. What is precious is that which sustains life. When life is secure, society acknowledges the value of luxuries, those objects, materials, services, or enjoyments, civilized or merely extravagant, without which life can, can proceed perfectly well, but which make it much pleasanter notwithstanding. When life is insecure or conditions are harsh, values change. Without warmth, without a roof, without adequate clothes, it may be difficult to sustain life for more than a few weeks. Without food, life can be shorter still. At the top of the scale, the most valuable commodities are perhaps water and, most precious of all, air, in whose absence life will, all, will last only a matter of minutes. For the destitute in Germany and Austria, whose money had no exchange value left, Existence came very near these metaphysical conceptions. It had been so in the war. I'm going to say a quote from the book All Quiet on the Western Front. A man by the name of Mueller had died, and the quote begins, Mueller died and bequeathed me his boots, the same that he once inherited from Kemmerich. I wear them, for they fit me quite well. After me... Jaden will get them. I've promised them to him. Unquote. In war, boots. In flight, a place in a boat or a seat on a lorry may be the most vital thing in the world, more desirable than untold millions. In hyperinflation, a kilo of potatoes was worth to some more than the family silver. A side of pork more than the grand piano. Theft was preferable to starvation. Warmth was finer than honor. Clothing, more essential than democracy. Food, more needed than freedom. How value changes instantly. As I said before, someone getting on an airplane with a million dollars in a briefcase who on the plane wouldn't want that? Say, hey, I'll give you this. I'll give it to you. Can I just have two minutes on your phone? <laughs> Who wouldn't do that? The whole plane would. They'd be in line fighting for it. But then 30 minutes later on the plane, headed to the Pentagon after two crashes, they know and they're talking to their wife or their spouse or leaving a recording on there. And say, hey, I'll give you this million dollars for just two minutes on your phone. They're going to give that up? The million dollars was worthless. Think of it in that context. It can be there. Tomorrow it won't be there. What do you need to change in your life to go to the necessities of what's valuable? What was valuable? What was worth a million dollars on that plane? Talking to their wife, their husband, their children, leaving a message to the parents. That was worth 10 million, 20 million. No money would buy that. It was 
valueless. So if something happens tomorrow, what are, we going, what are those values going to be? A pair of boots? Running water to your house, naturally, through a stream? The point man got talks about Joseph building a little trench to bring water close to the house in Nazareth for Mary. That's value. You need to do an evaluation. What's your 401k doing for you right now? That it couldn't be more if you put it in the Miraculous Metal Medjugorje Silver One Ounce Medallion. And you can't eat money or silver or gold when things are down. You won't have that just temporary to hold the value that you can get it because to be caught with that, even with the economic collapse, you've got to get stabilization two, three, five years before that's even made to be used. You heard for a little bit piece of coal, they're giving silk shirts away. And many other things of great value was suddenly worth art. Here's a million dollar painting. Just feed me and my kids just one meal. No. That meal's worth more to my family than to give it to you for this stupid thing on a piece of canvas. See, everything becomes different. Our lady's not here for 31 years to, to not to show us and plead with you. She says this last message, I implore you. I will implore the Heavenly Father for the light of eternal truth and love to illuminate you. After 31 years, she's still saying, I will implore the Heavenly Father. She's in front of, not just us. She said, before I implore you, I think she said that in reference to be the light and salt, salt of the earth. But I will implore the Heavenly Father for the light of eternal truth because we don't have truth. We don't see these things we're talking about. We don't hear this professor. We pass it off. Or do you say, I don't care about the founded documents when it's our whole future? Instead of looking at it as ancient documents by some dead old men. For the light of eternal truth and love to illuminate you. You got to have love in your heart, you got to love this professor. Even though what he does is evil, this poor wretched soul, this poor creature, he doesn't know that the founders, that he desecrates, will be in their glory. But the founders of a revolution, of rebellion, of what he purports, all lose their lives. Frank? Yeah, it's... Um it's very sad where we've gotten, and in in my past experience these past couple of weeks, um, all I can say by the overwhelming blessings that God is pouring out on our family because we have listened to what was written, and it, um, look what happened while you're sleeping, where well over 90% of the people said we were absolutely crazy to do what we were doing because of Sunday's. Most of them Christians. Um, that this is our fault, and when when Christians can take the third commandment and say it's not important that I don't buy or sell on Sunday, this is this is where all our problems lie. The people that love God don't love Him enough to give Him His day, the Lord's day. This has been our experience. The the, the blessings have literally brought us to our knees and humbled us. As when we sold the store a couple a few weeks ago, we had ten acres. 
Now we have a thousand acres, exactly a hundredfold. We've got another pizzeria that we're going to be buying, and it's it, they just keep coming, and so. Let me, let me let me let me clarify that. You're not telling us accurate. Frank has followed the writings and what he's done and lived by them. It's the teachings of Our Lady and what she's telling us to show. He was in what I've written in um, As Good God's People, I think, about a kid in a ball of yarn that plays with it and get tangled up, and he's got he's choking from it. And you just don't, you can't just go in there and start cutting it all off or ripping it off, or you you, you might kill the child. And the story that parable I wrote in there talks about our lady's coming to the world right now because we're, we're all tied up. And she can't just go ripping everything apart. She has to do little by little. So we have women that are working that have a car finance and his car finance for the husband and the house mortgage. They can't just get out of this when they go through conversion. And that's part of the agony. You can't just go to the child and just start pulling string without making some of it tighten it up. She's got to cut this piece, this piece, this piece. So Frank was stuck in a franchise where they required him to work on Sunday. He would come to me and ask me about it. You got to get out of it. But you can't do that tomorrow. He's worked for several years to get out of this. He's been through the message. He's suffered. To be converted and to be continuing to be stuck, stuck and locked in this a sinful decision that you inherited this is a great torture once you come to know Our Lady. Many of you are in this. But Our Lady says, Dear children, today live this because you plant with that the seed that grows into a tree. And Frank started planting these trees and these seeds several years ago. When did you come along with starting to follow everything, Frank? Well, 2001 is when... Um, so, so, let me, so, so 11 years ago... In the Caritas. Okay. 11 years ago, you start going and putting these seeds today. Okay. You had a lot of bad fruit in, in that sense. You bought your house. You had another one. You got rid of that. But you started tithing 5% here to the mission. You're very loyal to that, even when you didn't have the money. Uh, the teachers came along, get rid of the TV, you did that. The teachers came along, now you can't work on Sundays, and you got a franchise, and they wouldn't let you out of it. You talked to them several years ago, you talked to them recently, and you finally made the decision, which I've encouraged, you got to take those steps. You couldn't do it overnight. You can't tear all the yarn off. You had to let everybody develop this to a certain point. So Frank goes from a mortgage, to 10 acres... A nice little place up there in Ohio. And, and in a matter of not knowing, once he sold his franchise pizzeria to get into another something or do whatever he had to do, God showed him. In a matter of two and a half, two weeks to three weeks, what happens? He ends up with a thousand acres paid for, going to be able to get rid of his mortgage. And a new pizzeria, pizzeria already paid for that is already closing on Sundays. How do you do that? You don't. How can you achieve that? You can't. It was birthed through the, the concepts. It was birthed through the uh, conference we had December 6th and 7th. And through they had the first shot. That was another thing that led to this. And Frank had somebody who helped him on the real estate side of it. Put together this. Who's gifted. Knows this kind of stuff. How to do that without charging Frank anything for it. How do you do that? By living the message. Pray, fast, let God act. He fills in the details. And what I want to tell you is as fast as you can, don't panic, but as fast as you can, 
you get there and make your decisions and start moving. We're on the clock. And it's 20 minutes to the hour our lady appears. And the last important apparition is the final one was 12 noon. And the apparition that was important before that was 6 a.m. in the morning. It's the dark hour. It's coming. Get yourself positioned. Don't waste time. Frank, what's your contact information? You can contact us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can contact us online by email at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. Okay, you want to add anything now since I interrupt you of your story? Besides adulation toward a lady and and just sure, sure unbelief, even though you see what's happening? It is, it is, the blessings are overwhelming. And just to be clear, it's been years and years since I've personally worked on Sunday. I knew a long time ago that was wrong to do, but I didn't have trouble paying people to work for me and my business. And a lot of Christians are here, and we have to, we have to look at this, that um, there are Ten Commandments, and there's a tremendous, tremendous blessing for honoring this commandment, and that's stopping and letting the Lord work in you, not buying or selling, not swiping a credit card, not bowing to any other false god, but letting the one true God be reign supreme in our life, choosing Him over mammon, and, you know, Our Lady's messages, which are for every single human being, Our Lady wants all of us under the protection of her messages, and that's all that's going to matter, like the, the, the phone on the, the airplane uh, that the day after, is how much have we put these into place, and... Um, and what have we done about Our Lady coming? Because she's coming for all of us. And that's why we have the Marcus Mono Magic around. It's something you can do act immediately tomorrow or at this instant. Don't waste your time. Get into it. At least have it into something or it's going to vaporize overnight. And, and you want to turn that as fast as you can into, into land. And do it in a way that... And Frank's not the only story. There's, since we've done the retreat, or actually the How To Communities Conference, New Communities Conference, in, in December 6th and 7th, several people have already got the land or have acted on in the midst of getting it. Uh, real miracle stories. So the, the, the New Community Second Historical Conference will be April... April 18th to the 20th. That's a Thursday, a Friday... And a Saturday. And it's limited to 600 people. We had 400 people or so come last time. We can't, we can't have it more than 600. And that's really pushing it. So it's going to be capped. So if you know somebody, those of you who read, you got to have a red day Friday the first shot. We don't, you cannot come here. We will not let you in the door. And don't think you'll slip in and lie because you're going to sign an oath and testify before God that you read the book. Because everybody that comes here has to be on a level of, it'd be like putting some, university graduates with first graders at a gathering to speak about a subject. Not that anybody's here would be above somebody, but you'll have a, a level of conversation and decision-making and process that you'll be connecting with people that already know what's going on. And that was one of the, the beautiful things at the December 6th, 7th. People immediately was in sheer joy because they, were, they had people that could finish their sentence that they began, that connect, and they're already forming up what needs to be resulted from this book. We're way overdue. Any last word, Frank? Yeah, just that this now has been revealed to me in a profound way. Look what happened while you're sleeping. The, these writings still need to be spread. This is, this is the most important for the mystical body of Christ on earth right now and for all those that love God to give him his day. And um, 
it, it ain't going to happen is going to be revealed. And we don't want to wait until that happens, until we act on it. So um, get out of the system and, uh, and contact us, and we can help you. And don't kill the messenger. <laughs> All this has come through the messenger. Our Lady has brought us, given us messages. We've repackaged them and transformed them into a way of life. We've shown you that. We have people waiting. We have over 100 booklets, easily over 100, well over 100, that we can't print. We need to hire a second pressman. We need to put somebody else on our press shop for. We need to put somebody in our pre-press department. We need to do some expansion. We need to buy a lot of paper. We have to expand in our financial base. If you're a field angel and you ha- can increase that, double that, we ask you to do that. If you're a med supporter, there's things we need to do on meds.com that we're not doing. Not because we've grown an overhead. Our overhead has decreased. Everything we have paid for, nothing goes to an interest. But we need people to really realize part of what Frank's done in his life is he made a commitment to tithing. And many people that make a commitment to tithing learn how to either manage their money or they come into more blessings. Tithing is not just about, oh, I'm going to get more money. It's learning more discipline and making your money go further. And God bless it in a way that you can get things. Frank, you couldn't have told Frank a week before this happened, just recently, that he'd be owner of a thousand acres. You, you couldn't have told him that. He couldn't even imagine. He couldn't even, if God himself says, well, God, you, you're really being funny. You can't put the scenario together, but it's beautiful how it worked out. And, and, and it's very connected to Caritas and the principles of what we teach through the message. But we have people out there waiting that we need funding and we need people out there that are able to give 5% of their tithe to this mission. The fruit from it is there. We've got a banner year we can have in Medjugorje, but we're, we're, our hands are tied. We've got to increase Field Angel. We have a, just one program where we're asking all Field Angels to sign up one Field Angel. But we want you to consider in your Field Angel pledge to put 5% of your income. You come here and spend two days with us. We'll put you up. And you'll see when you leave here, if you hear the letters, you see all over the world the conversion and how people are changing their lives through it. There's no money to any mission anywhere out there that can do more than what LA's message does and then the way we package this in our way of life and we transmit this on ink on paper. Frank? Amen. Okay. Well, you know, this is the best, uh, the, the best mission, and you've been singular, singularly uniquely chosen by Our Lady. She's testified to this many times, and this is, you know, uh, God is one, and Our Lady's message is one, and this is the one mission we should be behind. We'll be praying for all of you out there, and we hope to see you in April. And we ask in a special way for your prayers for us and our work. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.